Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, good to see everyone. Thank you for coming to Flood. If you're visiting, welcome. I would believe that the Lord will do something and you'll be encouraged. Uh, but we're really excited about being in the city and loving the city and serving the city and doing work that honors uh, God in the city. So if you move to the city for school, you're in the right place. If you move to the city to start a business, you're in the right place. If you move to this city to figure it out, or if you're just in the city for a moment, if you're just passing through, you're in the right place. Uh, we believe that God has invited you and us to give our best in the places where we are. I always say that cities are places where God grows what's gonna happen in two different places of the country. In other words, I am from Koda Koda and Chisi, but I'm in this city and I've encountered God in a city. And when I'm trying to do things, I, I am always concerned about my village, my people. So I get to go. I get to get other people to go there so that we can influence and, and preach the gospel and love on people. So you can be in the city but passionate with uh, doing work in the rural areas, but the city can be a place where you get revived, you get encouraged, uh, you get inspired, you get more ideas, you get to sit with other people who are like-minded. And this is what I love about the city. Because all of us are from different places, yes? Different parts of the world. When we come to the city, we are all equal. The conversations that we have in the city, they get to happen not because one is superior, not one's culture is superior, not one's race is superior, not one's sex is superior. Now, when you're in the city, we are all peers. Now, when you're around your peers and, and you're about to create culture, culture is created by what you allow or what you participate, you intentionally create. So when you come to a city, when you come to a church, when you come to a place where people are trying to create a culture and you love God and you are influenced by God and you are moved by God, you come to a table where you appear with someone who don't know God, who don't love God, who don't care about God, when you start talk, talking about life, what influences your ideas is love, is kindness, is God's goodness, is all these other things, is people, not just getting money, not just manipulating, not just accumulating power. So when you come to a city, when you're in a city, you get to participate in creating culture in amazing ways that you could not be able to create that culture in other places. That's why for us as a church, we're like, we want to start in a city. We want to bring hope in the city. Because if you are that hope-filled doctor, if you are that hope-filled accountant, if you are that hope-filled entrepreneur, your goal is to not make money. Your goal is to solve problems. And the moment we have people in the church whose mindset is, I want to solve problems, I want to solve problems, then we are responding to Micah 6, 8. What does God require of you? Is to show mercy and act justly. So by the end of the day, when we are talking about the city, that's all we're talking about. That we want to be part of bringing the hope of Jesus that takes people out of oppression, that takes people out of poverty, that takes people out of all these places where they're in bondage. And you know God's plan is to use you. Now, uh, Emma talked about we have a friend, Debbie Cameron. Uh, she's a really cool friend. Uh, she's here on, 
uh, in the next week or so, and she's a licensed professional mental health clinician. Um, and one of the biggest things she has done, she's gonna stay with us in this church for two weeks. One of the biggest things she has done, she, she's normally called into the emergency room uh, for people that are trying to commit suicide and all those kind of things. And if we're to be real, in this country, in Malawi right now, suicide has just risen like off the roof, right? And, and as a church, we don't want to be a church that sits down and demonize things. Because that's what we are good at doing as a church. We love to sit and demonize. We don't want to engage. We don't want to be part of the conversation. So as flood, we're saying, no, we're not going to do that. We want to create a conversation where you can show up and learn as much as you can. And she loves Jesus. She's been praying about this for a year. That's how she's made it happen. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she's prayed us into it. You know, they're like, like we're just going to pray and we're going to show up. But if, if as a church we don't get engaged in the mental health conversation, we just became the, we, we end up being the church that demonizes people with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Then we become a church that even when men are talking, and, and when we talk about suicide rates, it's men that are off the charts. If, if you're not following the news, men are committing suicide more at an alarming rate in this country than never before. My point is, dude, I grew up in a time where men don't cry. Mamuna said, like, dude, come on, just suck it up, man. You're like, uh, I saw a post of a friend where he says, like, men, mental health issues, it's like when you're drowning, other people just give you a high five. Like, but you're, you're asking for help, help. And just like, Yo, dude, take, take care. It's like fun. But I want us to start this conversation, man. Like, if you are at a place where uh, you have struggled with depression, I don't want you to show up and go like, oh, demons, demons. No, 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 no. I want us to have that conversation in a healthy way. I want us to know what happens to us. And I want us to be equipped. I want us to... I want better for us, but also want better for our families. I've always shared, my, I lost my favorite uncle to suicide, and he had battled with mental health for the longest time. Like, like. So this conversation is really close to my heart. It's really close. The dude I looked up to my, my entire life used his shoelaces to commit suicide. Just, just like that. So it's never been an, a small thing for me. And, and I've always asked the question, what if we had an opportunity to create spaces where you would have solid conversations? So Debbie will be around. Um, she's a licensed therapist. We're trying to figure out how best we can have conversations and even create spaces for one-on-ones. But our biggest goal as of now, we want to have different sessions with different people. We're going to do training. We're going to teach each other how to listen well, how to listen better. Uh, because sometimes the people that we hang around with are going through so much, they try to say stuff, and we counter by sharing a bunch of our stuff that we're going through as well. You know what I mean? So we're just like, okay, slow down. Let's have a solid conversation. Life is hard. Life is tough. We can live with that conflict of life is hard, God is good. And we need to create that help. So... For the next few weeks, if you feel like you need to just have a chat, 
with someone, we are around. We're going to have 15 people sessions. We're going to have some training. If, if you feel like you know people that can benefit from this conversation, please talk to Spook at the back. And Diana, she's just walked out. Uh, but the goal is to create a space where we all can have solid conversations. Now, talking about solid conversations, I loved listening to Brother Ian's uh, message last Sunday. I thank you for that. And, and I want to connect to what he said. Understanding your past is important. But staying in your past is toxic. Your past should inform you, not control you. And a lot of us, we're in spaces where our past is controlling us. Instead of the past informing what next steps we should take, how we should do life, our past is controlling how our life should look like. And sometimes we wonder, how are we in toxic spaces? Why are we in all these toxic spaces? This is because we, we've allowed the things we have been through, and a bunch of us have been through so much, and we're going to be breaking it down in, in a little bit. We've been through a lot. But as we are talking about what we have been through, I don't want you to think about what you've been through as the final thing in your life. It was hard. It was brutal. It was confusing. It was a season that didn't make sense. But God is doing a new thing. God is about to do something else. And, and we're going to see that in Joshua chapter 5. It's quite important. We're going to jump to uh, Genesis 17 at some point, And we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 as well and Colossians chapter 2. You know I love Colossians. Any way of sneaking Colossians into, into a sermon, I just, just got to do it, man. Got to do it. But as we're about to read the scripture, I want you to start noticing the things God was inviting our friends to do. And if you forget anything that we are talking about, is we cannot stay in the past. We have to move forward. Let the past inform you. Don't let the past define you. Let the past inform you. Don't let the past define you. Now, as we're coming to chapter 5, we see God asking Joshua... <laughs> to create some flint knives so that the children of Israel could be circumcised. And as we're reading that, I want you to notice why he wanted them to be circumcised. And the reason was, these were people of the covenant. People that were children of Abraham. Abraham was a man that was promised by God that he was going to be blessed. And as Abraham was being blessed, one of the marks of that covenant was circumcision. That this is a mark that your clan, your tribe, your children 
are part of my covenant. They are my people. So it was a, it was a very important thing. That's why when you read scripture, even up to the New Testament, you see even some apostles getting, getting confused a little bit. Because back in the day, to be part of the commonwealth of Israel, or to be the children of God, circumcision was part of that mark. So you come to scripture, later in the New Testament, you see the apostles that have received the message of Jesus, asking people to also be what? Circumcised. They say, no, 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 you still need to get that if you are to be part of what? The kingdom of God. And, and Paul addresses that. That's why we're reading Galatians 5 and Colossians chapter 2. Uh, but, but when you open your Bible to, let's just start with uh, Genesis 17. And it's, it's, it's an amazing scripture. And, and just beautiful what God says. And when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. So this was the promise. This was the promise that I'll, <laughs> I'll make a covenant with you, and I'll multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Yeah? So you're seeing God casting a vision that Joshua is going to walk in and take the children of Israel into the promised land. So behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. So God, God is promising him. All these things that he was going to go through because God had made a covenant with him. God was in a covenant with Abraham. And God, part of his covenant was promising and declaring the things he was going to do to Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you. Kings like David, shall come from you. And from the line of David shall come a savior called Jesus. Are you seeing how powerful this covenant was? That God is putting himself in a covenant with this man and is changing this man. And this man is not like he's performed some wonderful, amazing, beautiful, brilliant, holy, fantastic, beyond reproach kind of thing. He was a good man. He, he had believed in God. He had all these other things. But compared to what God was offering, this man didn't really have much to offer. And, and that's the beauty of the covenant that we're going to see later, that, that we find in Christ. That our covenant that we have found in Christ has nothing to do with our works. It's because it is by grace that you've been saved. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ, in what he has done, in who he is. So you might have grown up in the church, but you are not part of the church because you grew up in a Christian family. You are part of the church because you have placed your faith, your personal faith in Jesus Christ alone by hearing the word of God. And the word of God is what? Hebrews 6. It's the word of God that brings faith 
in our life. So, so it keeps going and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after, after you through their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you, after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God and God keeps on promising and saying all oh, oh, these things. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you. Your offspring and after you. Every male among you shall be what? Circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. The, the Bible is clear. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. This was a sign. This ritual was the sign. And, and I want you to understand that. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It was not the covenant. It was a sign of the covenant. It was not the covenant. You shall be circumcised in the flesh. And, and verse 12 says, He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised and every male throughout your generations whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner. Man, the Bible sometimes is like, wait, did you just is that slavery? <laughs> wait God, what, what are you talking about? Every <laughs> every male throughout your generations whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people and is broken. So even from the beginning, when people would think about, oh, I bought a human and, and it's going to be brutal, just so stay with me. These people that kind of bought slaves, who to them were outcast, God casted a vision from the beginning that even the outcasts, the ones that don't fit in, they want to, the ones you normally abuse, the ones you don't want, the ones you manipulate, the ones that are not human enough to you, even those, when you do the same things, to me they are equal with you. They get the same things as you. So from the beginning, God starts dealing with the crap these guys had been through and they had carried and they were going to carry on and, and the things that we're going to see in a little bit. That God was clear from the beginning, from the onset. So you move from that picture of a covenant that God was giving and we get to Joshua chapter 5 and this is this is what the Bible says. And so, so verse 1, we read it last, last Sunday. But I'm just going to start there from, for the sake of context. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. And verse 2. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. 
So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeth. How, yeah, that word. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, notice that. This is the reason why he had to do it again. All the males, all the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So, for the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sown to their fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was the children whom he raised up in that place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When, when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover on that day, very day. They ate of the produce of the land and living bread um, and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land. <coughs> Amen. The mark of the covenant. So the reason why God invited Joshua to circumcise these Israelites was simply because they were living a life and walking into a promise God had promised their forefathers without fully really being circumcised. Now, I would argue, the reason why the Bible says for the second time, and a lot of scholars argue that way as well, is that around the Jews, around the Israelites, when a child is eight days old, the child gets circumcised. But in this moment, God is inviting them to something new, to something fresh, and I don't want you to miss it. And, and it was just God restating that you being in a covenant with me and you being part of the promises I have given, you have to bear the mark of what it means to be in the covenant with me. So that the mark of the covenant was the covenant was marked with circumcision. And this new generation was not entitled to the covenant who blessings up until they were basically like brought in into that through the circumcision. But I want you to still notice and understand that God had already started doing things with these guys up until in this moment when they had crossed the Jordan and they had done all these other things and God was like, hey, I want you. And that's chapter 4. You can go back to that. We have that sermon on our website or those notes on our website. If you don't have them, you can go check that out. But the point is this. 
that they were already experiencing the grace of God and the blessings of God. But God was, I want you to enjoy the fullness of what I want you to have. But I also want you to be reminded of what you are part of. And that's a, that's a very important thing. Because sometimes as people that have believed in Jesus Christ, we walk as people that have forgotten, right? Of what it means to follow God. What it means to be submitted to God. What it means to be in a relationship with God. So, the covenant was marked with circumcision. The new generation was not entitled to the covenant full blessings because the covenant was marked by circumcision. The God wanted them to be circumcised and it had to be done for them to know that they were accepted by God. That they were accepted by God. Can we have a bunch of things up there? Thank you. Thank you. Keep going. Keep going. Had to be done for them to know they were accepted by God. And that marriage would not have brought them into the covenant with God, but it was a faith in God that brought meaning to the ritual. It was a faith in God that brought meaning to the ritual of circumcision. It was not simply that you are circumcised. Because their forefathers, their daddies died despite being circumcised, but because they were disobedient. So they never walked fully into what God had for them. Meaning that the ritual, the rituals we do, we're going to have communion at the end, that is in remembrance of Christ, but that's a ritual. But that ritual can be powerful. That ritual can be a great reminder. We, we have baptisms here in this church. Baptism is amazing, but it can simply be a ritual if your faith is not in Christ. If your faith is in the ritual, you've made the ritual your God. Wow. And sometimes, and sometimes, we're a kind of people that love riches because riches make sense to us. We can grab them. We can participate. We can be creative with them. We can push them around and do all these other things. So ritual without relationship is empty. And these guys needed the full assurance to know that they've been accepted by God. And part of that was for them to be reminded that they're part of a covenant. And the reminder and the mark of the covenant was circumcision. They needed to know God had accepted them. Because God was inviting them to do more. To, to step into this land and fight these battles and conquer this land. And do all these amazing things. But if you are not assured that God is with you. No matter how small or big a thing that's before you. It can look like a giant. Like everything in your life, if you don't feel like God is accepting you, everything in your life can be, can be a red sea. Can be a red sea. So they needed that for their own faith. They needed that. They needed assurance. They needed that. But ritual without relationship is empty. Now there's, there's an amazing thing that you read in verse 8 that when they were circumcised of the whole nation was finished they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed until they were healed 
So I'm just going to go. Amen? I'll just keep going. Just stay with me. I love you. I'm just going to go. That when, when they got into this covenant, when they were circumcised, when they were reminded of what they had, they had a season of waiting. They had a moment of waiting. There was healing that needed to be done. And, and a lot of us avoid waiting. We do whatever we can to avoid waiting. We're so creative that waiting is not a thing in our life. Actually, we feel like waiting is not godly. So we distract ourselves. We find stuff we can do to keep our minds busy, our hearts filled. And, and the, the sad part is we miss the things God wants to do when we can't wait. Because God wants to do a lot of things in your life. Now, we're in this microwave generation, right? Microwave, microwave, everything is like now, in two minutes, come on, give me this. Yeah. Come on, dude. If, if you... <laughs> If you want to have an amazing career, you put work. Right? If you want an amazing relationship, you put work. You can pull a no-nighter, and I'll say this, on relationships. <laughs> and some of us have tried. We chewed on WhatsApp all night and we're dating in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, I'll prove you wrong, son. I'll prove you wrong. What am I saying? You can't pull a no-night on raising kids and leading a church on having a startup. Because if your business is just something that just like that, it means there are a lot of things you have disregarded. Like there's a lot of paperwork you needed to do that you haven't done. And that's going to bite you. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up. And a lot of us, we feel like we're clever because we just did something quickly and we got the money right away. Wait. Waiting is not demonic. Let me say that again. Waiting is not demonic. Waiting is a godly thing. And some of us, we, we were saved and changed by God, and immediately we wanted to jump into walking on water. You know what I mean? So we started and we... <laughs> what am I saying? Man? This is what I'm saying. In your season of waiting, you learn what your anxieties are. And some of us, the reason that we don't recognize what we are anxious about is because we have never allowed ourselves to wait. So you just jump one in one relationship into the other. Yeah? You're not waiting. You, because you're not waiting, you're not seeing that the reason why you're doing that is because you find value in people. 
you are a people pleaser, but you're so godly and you do all these other things, so to use like, hey, I just met another new person, God is good, hallelujah. Then <laughs> God is good again, hallelujah. And God keeps getting good and breaking your heart and other hearts. And like, oh man, this definition of God being good, something we should sit down and talk about. Wedding is vulnerable. And a lot of us, we are so afraid of being vulnerable. But when you're so vulnerable, I want you to know vulnerability is a chance for surrender. It's an opportunity for surrender. Because we feel vulnerable when we feel we are not in control. Yes? When we feel like we can't figure things out. Yes? When we don't know how things are going. Yes? Aren't those areas and moments that God wants to be the one leading? Are you seeing that? That those are the same things God is like, I want you to trust me. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with your heart. And you're like, man, I feel so vulnerable. I just, I'm just going to shut down my heart. I'm just going to shut down my life. I'm just going to get away from community. Oh, really? And then well, what's your reason again? Because I just feel vulnerable. Okay. But aren't they healthiest, kind, humbling relationships built in our season of vulnerabilities? Some, because sometimes people take advantage of that season, right? When someone is vulnerable, when a woman is vulnerable, when a kid is vulnerable, other people take advantage. When at work we feel vulnerable, people can take advantage. My point is, don't, don't avoid vulnerability by distracting your life from seeing the invitations God has for you, where he wants you to surrender, where he wants you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Because for some of us, that's, that's the point. God heals in our waiting. God heals in our waiting. God heals in our waiting. And some of us, we're so fast. So, so fast. We're trying to prove a point to people. Trying to prove that we've moved on. Trying to prove that we have everything together. Trying to prove things to people that don't even care about us. They'll even not like our post on Facebook. Trying to prove to this virtual world that our reality is intact. That we miss the work God wants to do in our hearts. We completely miss the God inviting us to stop, let me heal you moments. Simply because we want to prove a point. Simply because we want to look like we are doing everything that we want to do. Waiting. Waiting. Shows your fears, your, your anxieties, your doubts. Some of us are afraid of being in a season of waiting because we are not sure in our waiting season if God is saying yes or no. And we are not sure what we will do when God says no. That our entire faith is built on God saying yes. The 
God we have created in our minds is a God that says yes to the things we want. So the God that can say wait, the God that can say not now, the God that can say you don't know the full picture, this will destroy you. That God doesn't work for us. So this, this idea of waiting and trusting in the Lord, it, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So, so we just rush, we just run, we just go for it. And a lot of us, we've been bent so many times. Because God was just asking us to slow down. Slow down, dear. Slow down, daughter. Slow down, son. Slow down. Slow down. Waiting is reflective because when we are waiting because we are nursing hurt, it can remind us, it can reshape what our faith looks like in God. It can actually give us an opportunity to think through what our relationship with God is like. Is the relationship transactional? Are we relating to God because we want to get stuff? Uh, like when I'm in panic mode, yeah, I get those. My prayer is not, God, like, no, it's just like, God, help. That's literally, that's a prayer. I don't pray so much, it's just, God, help. Please, help. Just, just help, you know, help right now. If you can help, just help. Like I don't even know what to pray. Why am I sharing that? It's because in those moments, that's when I continuously realize that my relationship with God can easily turn into transactional. God, I show up, I do stuff, then you do your part. Yeah? So I show up to your ATM, I punch the right numbers, I get the cash. You're the God that's going to give me everything I want. You say it if I fast. If you say, you said if I tithe, eh? you're going to give me a hundredfold. Uh, properly shaken down. <laughs> It's like good measure. I'm quoting scripture, yeah? Well, what am I saying is, God is not God because he gives you stuff. God is not God because you want something from him. God is apart from us, but made us in his image so that we can, be ready, we can carry his glory. But we can also experience love and we can experience the goodness we don't deserve. And we can experience kindness we don't deserve. We can experience this freedom, for it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That we no longer walk in bondage. I am no longer a slave to fear. Because love casts away fear. We can experience all these things because we are rooted in Christ. Not because. God is made in our image, and our image of God is God has to say yes, God has to do stuff for us, God has to be attentive to what we need. Now, the reason why I want us to move from that is because now when you get to the new covenant that we find in Christ, the access God has given us through Christ is beyond what any other covenant would have created. It's beyond what the simple small needs of God I want, I want, I want. Can, can get you. Can get you. And, and I want you to be free from that small-mindedness. Because that's small-mindedness. That is it's just God. <laughs> Dude, God created <laughs> the whole world. And, and he said this in the scripture. I am able to do uh-huh, exceedingly 
abundantly above what you what? can think or imagine. Give me your best start. I will do it. Give me your best moment and I'll do beyond that. Like, like your biggest level of imagination and Marvel hasn't even gotten there. Your biggest level of imagination. That's a drop in a sea. And, and God is inviting you to that kind of relationship with him. But we're still stuck. And God, I have these things I've done for you. What you're going to do for me? God, I am this kind of guy. I have been patient. I've been kind. I've been giving the church. I've been serving. I've been, I've been doing it. Why and where are you? <laughs> Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Man, this, this, this country can drain you, yeah? Hey, this city as well, huh? This city can drain you. And Eskom, my friend. Eskom can play tricks with you. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And a lot of us, we're drowning right now. And we're trying not to wait. Because our connections promised us that they will get us that thing in no time, right? Our influence promised us and tricked us to thinking we don't need God. We can get that thing apart from God, right? Because we are so cool, we think we can just handle relationships because we're cool people. So we don't need God's help. We don't need to learn that love is kind and all these other things. Love is considerate. Love is all the things God has. We can sweet talk a woman. We can get a dude to bed. So we got this. Those that wait upon the Lord, man. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And, and you know that's been draining. You know that's been taking from you. And it's been taking for a while. So, so why are you not waiting on the Lord? Why are you not waiting for that healing? Why are you not waiting for God to do the work? Because waiting includes stopping sometimes for a lot of us. And a lot of us, we don't know what to do with ourselves when we stop. And that's still good because it's revealing that you've just filled your life with distraction. Things that are distracting you. Things that are taking time and resources from you. Oh, man. Things that are just distracting you. Things that are just taken from you. So you see in verse 8 that they had to wait for them to be healed. And, and when you're waiting... You can be anxious. But the second thing I want us to look at is the, what I'm calling the role of the covenant. And it's verse 9 through 12. 
and simply says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Dugo to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Dugo, they kept the Passover and they did all this amazing thing. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land and manna ceased. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit. And, and the reason why I'm saying this, this part is important is, is notice God rolled away the reproach of Israel. God dealt with their past. So we're back at what Ian said. God dealt with their past. Because their reproach included what? Slavery. Oppression and even their own disobedience. And these things led to losing self worth, self confidence, and even confidence in God. And, and to an extent, their past was standing as an obstacle to what God had promised. So God had promised them a land, but their past, their reproach from their past, was standing in between what God wanted to do for them. But their reproach included slavery, oppression. And the reason why I'm sitting there is because that's sin. Hello? Before you came to Jesus, sin messed you up and messed you bad. Come on. And for some of us, is when we came to Jesus. That sin messed us bad. And we paid for it badly. But the thing with sin, can I talk about sin? It's like churches are so uncomfortable nowadays when you talk about sin. When we were in our own ways, when we did not choose God, when we made ourselves gods, we used people. We manipulated relationships. We sought after pleasures that took from us joy, that actually tricked us to believe that they would give us joy and would be fun for us. But I always say that those things were having fun on us. Like our past messed us up. And I've shared countless times about my addictions and how Jesus has set me free. And I'm very grateful that I'm around people that make sure I don't fall back to those addictions. And that the Holy Spirit is working in me so I don't fall back to those addictions. But in the past, we were addicts. We were people that didn't want anything to do with God. We were people that didn't care about God. We were people that hated God. Now, when Jesus took us in, a lot of us had moments of doubt. Moments of doubt. Doubt that, does God really love me? Hello? Have you ever had that moment, you go up, got up in the morning and feel like, man, God, do you really love me? Do you know that has less to do with God, has everything to do with the things in your past you haven't dealt with? <clears throat> like when you really start examining where that is coming from, it's because at the core of your heart, you go like, man, 
Am I really loved with all that I've done? And I love what Tim Keller says. He said, you are so flawed than you can ever believe, but you are deeply loved than you ever believe. That you are so loved by God to the point that your entire life is learning that. <laughs> That's why we say that the gospel is the A to Z of our Christianity. It's not the ABC. You heard the gospel and you came to Christ. The gospel is what you learn from the beginning to the end of your life. Learning that and growing in that and, and getting rooted in that and getting rooted in Christ and growing and growing and growing. Because if you're not rooted in Christ, doubt clicks in. Fear clicks in. And all these other things come through in your life and you feel like, God, why am I even here? But you see that God invited our friends to a fresh start. Through the circumcision at Jericho, God rolled away the cloud of guilt and fear that hung over these people's head. Because they had not been fully embraced into the covenant before the circumcision. So they were still not sure. And they had seen their dads die in the wilderness. So, so they were still carrying the thing of, are we really loved? Are we really loved? God took their reproach of Egypt. I want you to surrender your reproach. And I'm not going to even take time. Because I think this, this, this hit me. And I'm hoping that it will hit you. Our past can stumble us from living the life God wants us to live. Surrender your reproach. Surrender your doubt. Because some of us were doubting if God is really worthy cleaning and making us whole. And delivering us from our past, right? But you want... This is how I say it. There's no sin you have ever committed that looks at the cross of Jesus and says, that's not enough. Because what Jesus did on the cross says, there's no sin that can outdo this. Your sins, your past sin, your present, even your future sins, they cannot do I'll do what Jesus did on the cross. They cannot overcome that. Because what Jesus did on the cross is far much greater than what your sin can bring to the table. Some of us have had a history of failure. I want you to surrender that. To the point that right now we are afraid to accept success. Come on. We just feel like God is going to just do something that's just going to... So you're having a good day. How is your day going? Look, yeah. Because you're not sure if tomorrow will be a good day. You're not sure if God is going to grant you success. Some of us need to surrender our reproach. That fear that nothing will last, leading us to not wanting to risk disappointment. Wow. Let me say this. For some of us, we are stuck where we are. When we are one relationship away, one partnership away, one growth conversation away, to fulfilling what God wants us to be doing for the rest of our lives. And what's holding us? It's fear of failure. 
is fear that nothing will last. Nothing will last. For some of us, it's guilt and shame. And I'll, I've said this so many times. Guilt says I've done something wrong. Brené Brown. Shame says there's something wrong with me. And we have a bunch of us that are walking and doing life and saying, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Feeling like we do not deserve anything good. So we just settle for less. We settle for bad people. We settle for bad deals. We settle for bad, bad, bad. Not because that's what we deserve, but that's what we've believed in our heads. That Christ is unable <laughs> to undo our mistakes. Unable to do our, undo our curses. Unable to do the things we grew up believing about ourselves. No, Jesus is able to do far exceedingly abundantly. We need to surrender our approach that has paralyzed us because we have a broken past. Now, I, I don't have time, but we had a group called Trauma Healing, and, and, and the reason why we had that group was so a lot of us have been through a lot of traumatic things from being raped to being abused to being all these other things. And the reason and the purpose for that group was so that we, we find help to no longer be paralyzed by what we have been through. And I want you to know that there's still that help in this church. In Christ, we still have that help. Surrender your reproach. Do you go? Remove the reproach. The cross of Jesus brings eternal life. Not just a promised land. The cross of Jesus brings life and life abundantly. For the thief came not to steal, kill, and destroy, but have come so that they have life and life abundantly. In Christ, the invitation is life abundantly. For it is by grace through faith that we've been saved. And that faith is not even ourselves. We heard the word of God. Because faith comes from hearing the word of God. So God pursued us to be saved. So you come to Galatians 5. With that mind, your passion inform you, not control you. This is Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Luke, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Come on. So we've moved from the old, we're now in the new, and the Paul is just stating this. If you're accepting circumcision, Christ will be of no use to you. So, so I want you to follow me, because we're about to finish. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You. Who would be justified by the law? You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only what? Faith working through love. 
It is by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's in through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Not in rituals. Not in your own goodness. Not in some weird covenant. It's in Christ we put our faith. Colossians 2. Therefore, verse 6, the, the focus 8. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus alone, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught about in thanksgiving. Now, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in Him, the what? The fullness of deity dwells, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with what? A circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demand. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And you were dead, verse 13, in your trespasses and that circumcision of the faith. But God made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven all your sins by canceling the record of death that stood against us with this legal demands. The call is to put our faith in Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus. Nothing more. Nothing less. So what are the things in your past still controlling you? Can we go to the next step, please? What are the things in your past that are still controlling you from living the life God wants you to live? Where are you doubting God's goodness? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Help us trust you. Help us see you for who you are. And help us be reminded. Help us be reminded that you laid down your life for us. And that in you, on that cross, on Calvary, you took our reproach. took our sin. You took our shame. You took our guilt. You took away any other thing. And that the invitation for us is to come to you. Oh, who labor and are heavy laden and you will give us rest. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And if any man comes after you, they shall deny themselves, carry their cross and daily follow you. So God, we pray that you be our help. And now as we share in communion, we are reminded of how powerful this moment is. For in the night that you betrayed, you took the cup, 
and you shed the cup and you say this is my blood of the new covenant with a people of the new covenant where you circumcise our hearts and you stamp us with the Holy Spirit as a mark that we belong to you and you took the bread and you broke it and you said this is your body broken for me I pray may we walk into that with all and surrender in every way for the sake of your name. Amen.